Welcome to the Geeks at the Gates. Uh, this is part two of our roundtable recommendations extravaganza. Still the same motley crew of people. Uh, me, Reggie Rigby, comic book retailer, wannabe writer, sometime critic, Matt Yo, kids publisher and old school comics aficionado, Jack Sinclair, podcaster, philosopher and general man about town, and Hat. Creator, educator, artist, and general bundle of creative energy and genius. Last week, uh, we hipped you up to the... I can't say the word hip you up, for goodness sake. We recommended our favourite TV shows of the current time. And uh, we're moving on now to comics and something else. We didn't want to be too restrictive. So everyone's recommending a comic and then something else they think you should know about. There will be spoilers. We will be sounding the spoiler horn after this word from our sponsors. This edition of the Geeks at the Gates is brought to you by Destination Venus, the big little comic shop tucked away in Harrogate's Westminster Arcade. We stock all kinds of comics because we love all kinds of comics. Marvel Zombies, DC Divas, Image Imagineers, Small Press Stalwarts, Indie Individuals, and all points in between. We love superheroes, but there's more to life than spandex, and we do our best to have something for everybody. Basically, whatever comics you want, we've either got them, or we'll get them if they're out there to be got. Find us on the web, destinationvenus.co.uk. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash destinationvenuscomic, or on Twitter, at dvcomicshop. Destination Venus. Love comics. Spoilers! Spoilers! And so, comics. Round and round and round we go. Matt! Uh, just very quickly on comics then. We, we talked a little bit about this before you arrived today, Jack. But basically we're talking about kind of current state of play with Marvel and DC. Mm. Very interesting because we're saying... Uh, Brian Michael Bendis this week is yeah. just shipped from Marvel to DC. Mr. Marvel moves to Mr. Yeah. DC. It's quite a big thing, and I, I can't remember the last creator leaving one of the big companies. I mean, not since kind of the uh, all the guys jumped ship and formed Image, maybe. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, the I last mean, time a big name creator had that sort of an impact. And, and actually, somebody leaving Marvel for DC in in this sort of way, I don't think since Kirby went to DC, yeah, yeah, there's a, been yeah, quite yeah, such yeah. a couple. Well, he's been at Bendis has been at Marvel for so long, and he, you know, he, he writes Easily, 20, so many times. He's yeah. just ingrained there that he was the last person you would expect to go to their distinguished yeah. competition. But that's happened. But yeah, I, I think it might be a good thing. I mean, at the moment, Marvel, I think, are, are, are suffering a little bit. There's a lot of their titles where the main character is unrecognizable from the character that a lot of people are seeing uh, in the current Marvel movies. Or a lot of comic fans want that kind of classic. They want their Captain character Amer- back. Captain America know? is punching Nazis again rather than being one, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have to say, I have enjoyed the these new versions of the characters. That's brilliant, and I hope they kind of stick around in some in some way. But I can see Marvel bringing back their core characters. It will be it that's... will be Steve Rogers, Captain America. It will be Bruce Banner as the Hulk. It will be. Well, I noticed. I well, I mean, you can see it's going to happen. Spoilers, spoilers for the mighty Thor, but we know that Jane Foster is dying, so she ain't going to be Thor for much longer. Um, And the more she's Thor, the faster her cancer develops. So Thor, by the way, such a good comic. Just they've just hit issue seven hundred. Yeah, it's so good. It's and is it Dowtman? Phil is it Phil Dowtman, the artist on it? I mean, when he's doing a full issue, it's the artwork is it's beautiful that is the right word 
to use for. It's absolutely amazing. There's been a few fill-in artists lately, but he's he's absolutely incredible. But yeah, so so Marvel, I think, is sort of going through a funny period where their movies are fantastic. Uh, I'll probably talk about Thor in a minute, but their movies are brilliant. DC have been struggling with their movies, but their comics are good at the moment. They Rebirth are. Is, is they are. It's, it's hard to fault DC. Fifty two wasn't, but Rebirth they they have turned a corner and things are starting to come together, and hopefully that'll happen with the movies at some point. I do hold out hope for the DC movies. I do want <laughs> I do want them to be good. The last one the last one was okay. Wonder Woman was okay. It was it was okay. But I, I like it. I still don't think they've hit the Marvel level yet. No, no near. I read a thing nowhere on near. the internet. Oh, I need to write things down more often. Um <laughs> basically someone pointed out on Twitter that DC are trying to do in like five minutes what it's taken Marvel yeah. many many years to do yeah. cinematically yeah, so Mar- Marvel's like the MCU has taken them a long it's time it's taken nearly yeah, a decade yeah. to get to here and, and DC yeah, is trying to get there in three movies you can't do it yeah, no. I mean, Marvel are on their 17th film now 17th film yeah. I mean I never thought in my lifetime I'd see a Thor movie let alone three of them yeah and the third one's the, two of them are worth watching <laughs> just I mean it's incredible and now I can believe that Marvel could take any character yep. Any character, a third rate, you know, second stringer, and they could make a success of that character. I have to say, I mean, Marvel, the MCU, I mean, I know they had to do it because they'd sold the film rights to all their, all their popular characters off. But Marvel start in their cinematic universe with Iron Man. It's a bit like DC starting with Blue Beetle, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's just, and to make a success of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But you still haven't actually told us what your comic is. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I haven't chosen a specific comic. I just wanted to kind of. All right, you just because <laughs> no, no, because at the moment I'm not reading anything that is that I feel is an absolute standout. Oh my god, I can't wait for that every month. I'm reading a lot of stuff that I read because I've been reading the Flash for years, so I'm reading the Flash. Is it okay? It's okay. Uh, you know, I, I'll stick around with it for you know for years to come. I'm sure. It's not a standout title, but I'll keep buying it. You know, every month. But but no, I just wanted to kind of comment on. It's interesting because Marvel have been so strong for so long with their comics and their movies, but now the comic side is starting to wane a little bit. You've had one of their main writers who writes a lot of their titles every every month is moving over to DC. DC's titles, the New 52 was a shambles, but they've turned a corner with Rebirth, but their movies are terrible. So it's kind of... But then you've got Jeff Johns, who's gone from writing to being a creative... Uh, you know, top of the, sort of the creative pile for, for DC. And so... He, he did have a hand, a limited hand in the Wonder Woman movie, mm-hmm. and I think you'll see his hand in a lot more DC movies. I think so. Movies. So does that mean things are going to turn around for DC movies? I mean, I hope so. We'll, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see. They I are mean, trying to rush. You're, you're right. They're trying to rush to get to right. where I'm Marvel are. Repeating. Or where we'll Marvel see. have been for years, you know, but it, it, it's not going to happen. We'll see what they do with Justice League. I'm interested to see that. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I, I'm looking forward to Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I'm not gonna lie. I he think looks, yeah. It's gonna be. Looks great. Phenomenal. A good, I, I kind of wonder. I would character. like to. I'd like to see if, uh, if Marvel would bring out a Namor movie that could. Be they good. don't own the rights. Do they not? Nope. Yeah, and I can't remember what studio is it does. Fox? Is he with? Is he with Fox? Paramount. Oh wow! I think Paramount owns Swamp Thing, and Namor. What? Why they bought them characters, I'll yeah. never know. Oh, somebody, they were somebody, late to the bidding. somebody is sitting in an office <laughs> in Paramount left? going, Oh, yes! <laughs> Submariner, yay! But actually, interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw it this week, but there were these rumours that Disney oh, yeah. had been in discussions to buy Fox. Fox, Fox's movie arm, which means that 
Marvel would then be able to make their Fantastic Four movies Marvel and X-Men movies. And I would love to see a as, Marvel Fantastic Four movie. Yes. Oh, as I understand it. Unbelievable. As I understand it, those talks have stalled. Yeah, but apparently they've that. stalled before, but that doesn't so, mean they won't Oh no, won't and, happen. And Fox are looking to offload their entertainment business. They, yeah, want, yeah. they want to be a news and sports channel. Yeah, I mean, Fox has never really succeeded, really, at that. Mm. No. They've always tripped and fallen. Yeah, they gave us everything. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They gave us Firefly. They ago. took Firefly away again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, and you know, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? I yeah. mean, from Marvel's point of view, and if you're Fox, it makes sense to sell these things back to Marvel because Marvel will pay more than anybody else. Will. And, and yeah, also, yeah. also Fox have the original Star Wars movies, so you get Disney would get those back as well. And Disney wants them. Yeah. 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 So they hold the rights forever to the original Star yeah. Wars trilogy. So and the only way, the only way Disney are ever getting those is if they buy Fox. They're gonna to have to some serious. So they they are gonna cough yeah. up a I, few billion. I would have. Thought. I imagine I'll get it because the only thing that terrifies me in this world is Disney lawyers. <laughs> they, <laughs> if there's any gods in the world, it's Disney <laughs> lawyers. They have all the power. But of course, don't forget at some point in the future Disney will own everything, including you, Jack. Of course, <laughs> so it's just a matter of time, right? <laughs> so yeah, so sorry, yeah. Uh, current state of Marvel and DC. I just wanted to kind of. So you, it's, it's just interesting to see. You're in a position you know, where you don't really have a favorite are, comic at the moment. Nothing springs to mind at the moment, no. But the future's looking bright. That, that for me, is positive because, you know, I come in every week to buy my comics from Destination Venus, my favourite comic shop. There are no Harrogate. other comic shops available. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just interesting that every once in a while you get this big shake-up, whether, whether it's a, a shake-up as in a kind of a, a series, like a kind of a, a crisis thing where DC will shake things, or whether it's a creator shake-up. Mm. And again, it mm. keeps it... It keeps it fresh and it, yeah. keeps it keeps it moving forward. So that was just my, uh, yeah, the current state of Marvel and DC. Mm. Uh, yeah, my, my recommendation is going to be one that I always talk about every time I ever have to recommend anything because I love it. And if we're doing like a spoilers are fine thing, I can properly talk about it this time. And that's Deadly Class. Because Deadly Class by Image Comics is one of my favourite comics ever. It's got the, like, why we love Stranger Things for its 80s element because it's much more kind of, the punk side and goth side of 80s uh, culture. But it follows basically this young boy who's a street rat because his parents are, uh, die when he goes on a, a holiday with them to a city and they stand under a bridge and someone commits suicide off that bridge as they're stood there and he cr- crushes his two parents. And the only I'm reason... I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing at that, but that's <laughs> But the only reason that happened is because Nixon at the time um, cut funding to mental health care so, and the person came out of a facility that couldn't afford to keep the person there anymore. So he directly blames Nixon for the death of his parents. He then finds a school of assassins where he was is basically like a John Hughes f- film, but set in a school of assassins where all these kind of like punk goth teenagers are. And he's adamant that the only reason he's there is because he wants to train how to kill Nixon. And as he's there, he meets up with all these other characters who have their all different reasons for being there. It's usually like their parents are part of a big mafia or the Yakuza and stuff like that. And like, they just have to be there. It's all part of the school curriculum. Their parents went, you know, long line. And he's obviously a street rat. He's not really there to play by the rules. And so he gets this ragtag bunch of friends. Um, and it follows that for like the first two like trade paperbacks of just him at school getting into all this bother and, you know on the way a couple of friends don't make it and stuff and it has some dark is points. it an assassin school that believes in competitive examinations mm-hmm. yes because right. the final exam for the first year is that all these kids have these boxes under their chairs and the main master this old guru looking guy 
has basically been watching them from afar as how they've been like whether or not they are team players or what he calls rats and everyone's to open the box and some of those boxes have dead rats in and the mission of the to get through to the next year is everyone in the school has to kill the rats and obviously basically most of the main cast that you've been following are rats except for two and it's this whole struggle of them trying to survive and complete spoilers now one by one at the end the main cast are killed off until it's left that like the main character who isn't a rat this kind of love interest for the main uh, guy that you've been following all this way um kind of you think like oh he's gonna make it he's like do you know what i'm out i'm just gonna live like he's it's got this kind of train spotting monologue at the end it's like you know what i'm gonna i'm not gonna let this hang up like destroy me i'm not gonna be like this anymore I'm not gonna be like these people and he's running down these like uh stairs and he's and you're, I've never felt for a character so much as he's just desperate to survive now as he's seen all his friends die. And he turns the corner and the woman has just sticks him with a sword and he dies. And the next trade paperback follows her in the second year. And to me, that was just a wow. stunning. Like, I was always waiting for him to come back. Like, no, he's not dead. He's Brilliant. not dead. But oh, yeah. like, the final panel is just the, like, the death in his eyes. Like he's gone. And I was just so gripped. And I just love now that it's her trying to live with the fact that she's killed all her friends and what was it worth you know and there's now these new kids in and like she just looks from afar now See, like that's how you get rid of your entire canon and start again yeah it's a fantastic <laughs> it's a really great way of doing yeah it. and like i so never saw it coming yeah, it's a like brave that. creative choice it is though, yeah it's huge but like yeah. the artwork's gorgeous as well like because obviously there's a bit where they go to like a, a festival and they take robes and it just gets trippy as hell and it's brilliantly drawn but I hugely recommend it. I know it's a huge spoiler that, but it still obviously continues yeah. and you don't know where it's going. And I've never seen character development like that in a series. Wow. It's absolutely gripping. When did this start, it. Jack? Years ago. It's been, uh, it's on like volume four now of Trade Paperback, but really, really So it was out it. when, let's say, you ran Destination Venus. Yes, it was. And you didn't recommend it to me. <laughs> No, do you know what? I do, because actually, at that point, I hadn't. It hadn't gotten to the point where I thought it might just. I didn't know where it was going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. was it? Was he gonna eventually just like finish the school and go kill Nixon? That was a fun little romp. I didn't realize where it was actually. No, there will be consequences for their actions, and you know, not everyone's gonna get out of this. And honestly, there's characters I was because they don't die in happy ways because each kid's got like a speciality, like poisons and stuff like that. And one of the characters, like. He gets like trapped in this gas room, and it just look. I've never seen pain depicted in such a way in comic form, but like his eyes are bleeding and stuff, and it's just. I felt so sorry for him because he was such a nice guy as well. Mm. Like you really, it's like walking. You know how Walking Dead can just hit you right mm. in the heart. It's very similar to that, I think. Like characters will get horrific endings, and like because they like they'll have story arcs that just don't finish. Because like they're, yeah. they're built up like they're gonna do something, mm. yeah, and, yeah. and then they die. They die. Which actually is very much like real life. I mean, not the whole death yeah. thing, but but you your 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 real life doesn't run yeah. in a series of neat story arcs, yeah, yeah. yeah, which all get wrapped up at the end. Yeah, that's not how. That's not what life is. Mm. It's, it's by Rick Remender, but it, <clears throat> it reminds me a lot of like Garth Ennis, um, because like the only history that this uh, the main character in the first like arc really has is uh, this orphanage where the room he was sharing was with this boy who basically gets aroused by animals and he's an absolute 
animal himself and he always holds a grudge and he's kind of like the first like bad guy really that's why he leaves the school as the main boy because he's gonna basically clear up his past um but it reminds me like that kind of character reminds me of garth and it's like there's some really like twisted characters in there and yeah that's why it's quite interesting to see these kids who are basically good kids and they're put there just because their parents have sent them mixing with these just absolute dark side of society and it's just, it, there's some a lot of kind of like political talk there as well. And also, you know, they mentioned like Joy Division and stuff. So I was like sold like, like for the aesthetics, you know, like who's the best goth band on our, no, you know, they're fakes, they're just doing it for the money. So it's got that kind of like 80s culture as well. Nice. But yeah, it really, really is something I hugely recommend. It's one of my favourite things. Very cool. Mm. Cool. So Hat. Uh, yes. Um... Uh, my comic is Hi-Fi Fight Club, uh, which is on issue three. Three. Now? Three now. That's all we've had so far. So it's super early, so you can still get catch up. Uh, I'm sure there may be some around somewhere that you could possibly buy I from think, somewhere great. I think I still have an issue one left. Ooh. Buy it. Um, no, seriously, <laughs> buy it. It's amazing. I love Hi-Fi Fight Club. Okay, so the premise is that um, it's the 90s. So let's have 90s nostalgia. <laughs> let's move from the 80s to the 90s. Um, and it's about a group of um, girls who work in a record store in the 90s, essentially. And they have a secret fight club in the basement where they solve mysteries and go and like solve puzzles and save people, essentially. That's basically that's it. That's, it. What, that's what it's building up to. Um, it, or that's the way it looks. Because we know that things aren't always what they seem. But yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, and yeah, it's about essentially it's following the the story of this girl who gets the gets a I guess a, a summer job I think I, I guess. haven't quite figured that out. No, the, but they're not really. Is 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 this a summer job or is it a weekend mm. job? You she doesn't ever times. seem to go to school. No. So, it so I think it's must a summer, be the job. summer. Um, and she's working in this record store and like obviously trying to be like trying to figure out who she is. And she's like a big awkward nerdy teenager i guess like, yeah she's just awkward and it's great like it's she's adorably awkward trying to find who she is in the world and then suddenly she gets pulled into this web of mystery and this fight club that is this these group of people that she's just thought she's got to know as friends and then she finds out they have this huge secret and they're bringing her into it to um be part of this like crime fighting team i guess um and then she discovers another layer to that and you know it's about their relationships and you know the the kind of mean goth girl who doesn't like anybody and and the lore is i love the lore is great um and how she ends up getting on with her and stuff like that and, and you know and um it's just i love it if you ever have you seen empire records yeah yeah okay yeah. so yeah. if you like empire yeah, yeah. records yeah. i feel like you'll like this okay. like it's got that same sort of feeling of like oh. you've got the the older uh, manager who's not quite a grown-up but not oh quite no but i love i love that she describes she describes the older manager as like being the like the adult. The cool adult. She's twenty two. <laughs> she's twenty two and she's a cool adult. <laughs> and you just sort of think, oh yeah, I, I've got I'm such a sucker for like retail based stuff. I don't know. I, I I worked in shops like when I was like that age. I still do. Yeah. For me for me like sixteen I worked in retail and like I don't know, there's so much to it in terms of like as a, a ground, as a basis mm. for like telling a story. I think it's it's and great. I, yeah. I, 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 and I recognise that shop. Yeah. I've never worked in a record shop. No. But I recognise that shop. Um, I recognise those people. I've worked with some of those people. Yeah. Um, I've dealt with some of those customers. <laughs> and yeah, it's just... It's they just really absolute... love the archetypes. And it, it, 
it's made me that the sort of central character, this this awkward Chris. girl, Chris. Yeah. She's seventeen. I I don't know. I don't know if I said this on the podcast before. I I don't. I know I've said this when I've been talking about this comic before because I talk to customers about this comic a lot because I try and sell it to them because <laughs> it's my job, but also because I love it too. I didn't have a great 17th year. <laughs> it's not going to shock anybody around this table that I was a crap teenager. I really was. <laughs> um, I had no clue what I was doing um, and I was massively awkward around everybody. I mean... Even more so than now, so just to give you some idea of scale. And yet, however much I hated being 17, and being 17 was crap, this comic has made me nostalgic for being 17. It, it makes me nostalgic for the 90s, like, yeah. in a big way. I mean, I was that age at that time, I think, as well, like, t- to that degree. Like, in like, the late 90s, I, yeah. I I did my GCSEs in 999, so that tells you how old I am. But, um, like, the late 90s, early 2000s as well, like, when I was working in shops and, like, having that music. And they reference, like, the Spice Girls album or whatever album, and they reference specific mm. 90s And albums. I love the arguments they have about... Can't believe you, can't believe you put this on. It's just generic pop nonsense. Yeah, yeah. It's not your turn to choose the record this week, Dolores. <laughs> Which is, like, you know, in that, again, that hugs to, for me, for Empire Records, the veto power and all that yeah. stuff they have in yeah, Empire Records. Yeah. And, like, and they have people, like, they're waiting for a band to appear to play, and that's got that whole Rex Manning Day feel, which I really appreciate. And Carly Houston, the writer, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that surname correctly, I will just keep apologising. Um, <laughs> this is the first comic she's written for it's before that she's always worked in television and film so wow. and that's, um, that's vaguely incredible because comics is a very different medium yeah it is. and, it, it and is. It, it's just like i feel like it it's you can't tell like you can't tell it feels it's so well written i just and everything about it i just i, I love it's, it it's, be- I love it's it. beautifully it's, done it is uh, and as i said it will make you nostalgic for being a teenager it will remind you even if you hated being a teenager yeah. it, it will remind <laughs> you because it, it will remind you of the good bits <laughs> yeah <laughs> and those friendships, yeah. like I don't know, like I I worked in yeah. As I say, I worked in retail when I was like seventeen. I worked in an outbound shop. I was a ski technician. We did fun, stupid shit. Like we climbed right. the building and did idiotic stuff. So we didn't have a fight club. We had a we had stupid a club. club. <laughs> we had a let's try and be jackass club, which was just really dumb. I was the only girl. Um, so yeah, I'd read that. Comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like you know, so I, I have that whole like we used to do dumb stuff after hours feel, and this this is like they're doing much cooler stuff than we did yeah. after hours. But like there's that whole what happens when the shop is closed thing that yeah. I think you know it's like it's like when you have something set in a school and it's like do the teachers sleep there? It's the same thing. Like everyone sees the specific view of retail or a specific view of whatever and yeah. they take it that step further and behind the behind the curtain what is there and I, mm. I that kind of mystery is always in those environments which is what makes them so i don't know rich for for as a as a story building ground and the puzzle solving and the mystery aspect of it is just it's it's fun and yeah. they're revealing bits about that and bits about the characters in a really smart way as it goes along and i, I just it's I'm it's, it. it's cool. wonderful and it, and it and it looks so pretty the it's art beautifully is drawn. The art is somewhere, I guess it's mid-Pacific, it's somewhere between an American style and a japanese mangari style. Beautifully fine line. It is gorgeous. Uh, very sort of impressionistic, little bit cartoony, but still realistic. Yeah. It's, it's And it just looks and the, wonderful. You know, like we are saying, because the characters are sort of archetypal, like they're, they're, the character design is just, again, it just pulls you to the 90s. It's got that beautiful yeah. thing where you look at them, you're like, I know that goth. 
I know that, like, like Pop Princess. I know those people. I've seen them. And if you haven't seen them in real life, you've probably seen them on Buffy. Um, yes. Or, like, some like a show from the 90s, <laughs> you know. And you sort of they go, yeah, no, I know those people. And I, I love that about it as well. It really, like, brings you back to that, that time, which... And if you didn't live during that time, enjoy it, because it's just like it. It's like a nice... Yeah. It, <laughs> is, it is kind of a 90s Stranger Things. Yeah. Without the Demogorgons. Without the... <laughs> yeah. With a weird mystery instead. I can yeah. see both of your, as you've been talking, both of your comic choices as, as you could with anything these days, it could be a Netflix show, couldn't it? Yeah. Both of them could be a Netflix oh, show. Yeah, it could. Yeah, yeah. Well, Demi Cass has now, it's going to be on sci-fi. Has it been an option? Yeah, they're going to oh, be yeah. on sci-fi, yeah. But it's on sci-fi, so I don't hold out much hope. Sci-fi does some good things. <laughs> Channel Zero, have you watched Channel Zero? No, I haven't, to be If you like scary stuff. Channel Zero, Candle Cove, the first series. Very scary. Okay. About a guy that goes home to his little little town, and uh, there's this uh, puppet show that was on when he was a kid on, on TV, and uh, it comes back show. on. Oh, and that's okay. yeah. Yeah. Loads, yeah. loads of kids go miss it. It's really asking oh, okay. about Ian. Ian's watched it. Very good. Oh, I don't know where Ian finds the time to watch <laughs> the the massive amount of television yeah, he appears to consume. Well. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> Is he yeah. watching it while he's drawing the sketch cards? Like, is multitasking? He, he must be, or, or he's discovered like a, I was gonna say, because, yeah, day in the week or he's something. Got he has Bernard's watch, doesn't he? He has Bernard's watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's the only way. It's the only way. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. I'm sold on both of those as well. It sounds great. Yeah. That's good. It's good. good. And it is like three three issues in, so you can totally catch up, and it's brilliant. Um, And uh, yeah, I love it. What company does that? Boombox. Oh. Of course it would be. Of course be. it is. Yeah. I'm reading it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be really... <laughs> Um, I, 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 probably unsurprisingly, given what I do for a living, um, have found it really hard to single out one yeah. thing. Although if anybody who's sitting around this table or who has ever heard this podcast before knows that I have a huge problem making decisions anyway. <laughs> um, I very nearly went for The Unstoppable Wasp. Um, because it's finished, it's a done thing now. It only mm. ran eight, eight, eight issues. Mm. And it was beautiful. It was just fantastic. Um, Nadia Pym. Um, is just just the most optimistic ray of bloody sunshine. Um, there's a, a thing in the last episode. Um, Van Dyne, I can't remember the name of the original. Janet Van Dyne. Janet Van Dyne yeah. um, has kind of taken her under her wing and adopted her, and uh, she sort of does this. They're having a conversation. She ruffles her hair and says, oh, "I love you, kid. You just make everywhere better just by being there." And you just know that's the writer whose book's just been cancelled saying to the character that they've just created, Marvel's wrong! Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's such... There's a brilliant scene in the first issue um, where she's, she's... Hank Pym's dead and she's come home to find... Well, she's come to the US to find her dad, to find that he's gone. And she's in living in his whole, old house and the phone's ringing. Because Jarvis, the Avengers butler, is ringing her. And she's like trying to find the phone. She finds her mobile. And it's like, oh, it's not this. And then the next thing you see Jarvis, like finally, like the phone's been picked up. And she's like, ah, Mr. Jarvis, it's okay. I find phone. Um, it's attached to wall. Who would want this? <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's James just, but she's such a wonderful character. And I'm so, I'm so gutted that her book got cancelled. 
It's just... An, a... I'm surprised it did then, because if you've got comics like Miss Marvel and... Uh, sorry, Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl that are mm. that are doing very well, then... Mm, yeah. Huh? Really? Ms. Marvel is. Squirrel Girl, as I understand it, is in cancellation numbers at the moment. Um, if if Marvel if Marvel decide they're going to rejig things and cut some of the deadwood, I have a horrible feeling. Have a horrible feeling. Squirrel Girl's in there. Really? They, I mean, the character Squirrel Girl is in the U.S. Avengers, um, which is an awful, awful, awful book. I'm sorry, but it is. <laughs> um, I sell t- I sell two copies a month, which is one yeah. more copy than I sell of Squirrel Girl. Um, and that hurts me, actually. The US Avengers sells more than Squirrel Girl. That's a horrible thing. And that Squirrel Girl doesn't sell well is 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 a, is again a terrible thing. But I'm not I'm not picking Unstoppable Wasp because it's a Marvel book and I'm cross with Marvel at the moment. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. You can't talk about all the books that you're not gonna talk about. <laughs> no 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 no. I'm not got time for that. I'm not mentioning Scales and Scoundrels or Redlands or Saga. I mean, God knows, I'm not getting started on Saga tonight. In the end, I'm going for the book that Hat nearly chose and didn't. Yeah. Uh, which is Misfit City, uh, which which is which is from Boombox. What a shock! Um, <laughs> I'm reading it. This podcast officially sponsored by Boombox. And My hey, don't joke. I'm, I'm open. I, if, if Boombox are listening, I'm open. To uh, to sponsorship, uh, and and if my friends at Aftershock who are wonderful are listening, um, I almost picked Animosity, but I didn't because we're doing a whole podcast on that at some point. So I'm open to sponsorship, guys. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> but no, Misfit City is an absolute delight. I did not expect to like it. I picked it up and took it home because it was issue one of a new series, and I do that always, so that I can decide whether I'm making it a pick of the week and all of that stuff. Uh, check out our pick of the weeks on the Destination Venus Facebook page. I just loved it. You've seen the Goonies. Yeah. Hmm. And that wasn't even a question. That was just no. a statement because, of course, you have. Yeah. yeah. It's a love letter to the Goonies. And it's unapologetically and explicitly a love letter to the Goonies. There's a little essay about it in the back of issue one. But it's, it's set in a small town, a small coastal town in New England, which has one claim to fame. About a decade ago, they came to make a movie a cult kids movie there called called The Gloomies. <laughs> and that, that is the town's yes. only claim to fame. All its tourism is based on this. They have a little museum attached to the library that's, that's got, you know, props and movie memorabilia and stuff. And the library and the little, Goonie, uh, gloom, the little Gloomies Museum is run by a group of friends. And then one day, the weird old guy, kind of sea captain guy, dies and leaves the museum a chest which is locked. And when they force it open, they find a map which some sinister strangers are also looking for. And it just goes from there, and it's just... It's amazing. Fabulous. I was waiting for you to bang your hand down. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it's like... (laughs) Do you know what? Do you know what? Again, it seems to be the, the vibe of the evening, but it's... It's like Stranger Things. It's like Hi-Fi Fight Club. It's it's like Deadly Class. It is a celebration of all of that eighties mm, yeah. stuff. Um, it could have been an eighties movie, and like all of that stuff, it's not about that. It's not about finding a chest with a map and going looking for treasure. That's what they do, but that's not what it's about. Mm. It's about friendship and loyalty and love, and awkwardness and finding your way in the world and working out who you are and it's just a delight it's it's ah oh, 
the 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 relationship with the characters you know, somebody's ex-boyfriend is a friend of somebody and yeah, somebody's ex-girlfriend. Somebody's ex-girlfriend, somebody's ex-girlfriend somebody. and they run yeah. into each other and it's all Someone's awkward. Someone's mum is the cop and, like, all the, you know, the, yeah. the, the right. sheriff of and the town. And they can't go, so I can't tell my mum because she'll then get the, you know, make it official and we're going to have to break into this guy's house and and it... And it, they're having a Gloomies festival. Yeah, they have like, a Gloomies yeah. festival. Oh, and there are, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's... And it's just all, like, there's a lot of sighing hidden, about that whole thing. There's hidden, like, oh. yeah, sort of secret underground catacombs with secret entrances that you find, that you open by twisting totem poles round. And... Yeah, because it's not really a totem pole, it's ship's mast. And this is that mean, beautiful mystery and that Scooby-Dooism and yeah, that whole, yeah, yeah. it's I was brilliant. thinking Scooby-Doo. There is a dog. Yeah, there is a dog. There is a dog. And it's... it's just wonderful. It's so much fun. I look, I look um, forward to it. I yeah. Do. No, I, yeah, I you, know, you were saying that, that there isn't really anything that you, at the moment, where you, you think, oh my God, I've got to read There's this now. Nothing I've got to read this now. really standing out to me. Um, and for me, um, I get quite jaded about the rack, <laughs> which is full of muscly men in spandex, which is some people's idea of a good time for a variety of specialist reasons, but I I'm finding more and more, and I, yeah, I still love Batman, and I still, um, <laughs> and you know, I love Ms. Marvel. I I I I love the Unstoppable Wasp. I, I I I dig my superheroes. I do, but more and more, I'm finding that the books I'm really looking forward to are from Image and yeah. Aftershock, yeah. and and the various incarnation of Boom. Because let's yeah. not pretend that Boom Kaboom and Boombox aren't the same. Yeah, yeah that's why I was just going. Yeah. But I, I read more indies now, indie titles than I've ever read. Yeah, yeah, because they're so the damn good. Time that I've been reading, I've completely books. moved to it. I mean, you know, I, I, like I was saying earlier, I, I read like one DC book now and one Marvel book. I think that's it. Maybe two, one or two of each, and that's it. And now, now it's just. It's it's Boombox, Boom Studios, yeah. Boom. I mean, I, I mean, the, the books, I, the books I really look forward to reading now. Saga, of course, Saga. For God's sake, Saga. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, you're probably sick of us banging on about Saga now, but we're going to keep doing it because it's still great. Um, uh, I Slam. It's a comic about roller it's derby. Great. Yeah, I was introduced to this on the last podcast I was on, and I was like, "This is amazing! Why have I not read this?" And now I read it all the time, and I love it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, brilliant Moonstruck ah oh, beautiful I mean, Slam, Slam's about roller derby but it's not it's about no, it's, it's about, about relationships friends and friends and, and, and Moonstruck about a, a fat gay werewolf who yeah. works who works <laughs> in a, a coffee, coffee shop. shop and my favourite no, I, I with a centaur a centaur that loses loses their butt and I yeah. love that and it's like the mission to get the butt back he spends a whole spends a whole a whole issue just going my butt's gone it's <laughs> Beautiful and brilliant. I've got to wear pants now. Rage, I, I have noticed that all of the titles you're talking about, there are none of them on your shelves here, which I can only meet, assume means that they've sold out. They're in my house. They're gone. Um, well, and, Slam and is there. They're also not out this way. I mean, Slam's oh, Slam's out. behind you. Yeah. Slam's out this way. Um, that's, a, oh, that's a great cover. And Slam, Slam I picked Slam's up. Great. Slam, we've mentioned, we said, we've mentioned this in the podcast before. This isn't a rule that I introduced at Destiny's, but it is a rule at Destiny's. Destiny's rule of thumb, which I was introduced to when I first. Uh, first started working here. If it's got a pink cover, it's good. Yeah. Reggie's talking about issue three. It's, it's, it's is got issue a three day glow pink. This also so has pink, and this is also good. Yeah, oh, the one with the bullet is great. It's amazing. That's been catching my eye. It's yeah. amazing. And, uh, and then so has for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Kong 
King Kong on the Planet of the Apes, which <laughs> oh, I missed that. Actually, it sounds you know ridiculous, what? but I, I really want to pick it up. Do you know what? It's good. Yeah. It's really, really good. It's pick of the week this week, guys. But it's is it as good as all of the recent three Planet of the Apes movies have been, which have been amazing. Yeah. Every single well, one is brilliant. I'll tell you what. This is set. This is set. Very good. This is set um, just after the original Planet of the Apes. Right. Okay. Uh, it starts with. Uh, Dr. Zeiss kind of looking at the Statue of Liberty sticking up out of the mud and saying, that's got to go. Destroy every trace of it. And as the guerrilla soldiers go to to destroy it, they discover, because obviously they're in the Forbidden Zone, they've never been here before, they discover the washed-up remains of a giant gorilla. And they have to go and find out where this giant gorilla is. So it's it's an expedition from of of the the apes we're familiar with from the Charlton Heston movie to find Skull Island. Because is this what, what is this giant gorilla? Is he, Maybe it's just the way that red is he a god? <laughs> yeah. No. If you know if you were actually an ape, how would you you'd react to King Kong very differently yeah, than we would yeah, react yeah. to King yeah, Kong? Yeah. And it's just it's just fabulous. And it's one of those things that now I'm looking at it. King Kong and the Planet, Planet of the Apes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Why wouldn't? That, that's that's such an obvious idea. But I never thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just fantastic. Oh, Kid Lobotomy is also really, really, oh, really... so good. It's weird. It's, it's like, extremely <laughs> weird. It's... Like, I cannot tell you how weird it is, <laughs> but it's great. I haven't read issue two yet, which is what's sitting on the rest. But issue one, I finished issue one genuinely not... Knowing what just happened, it's, it's a like, ride. How much, of, <laughs> how much of what I've just read was real, and how much of it was in the in the head of the clearly insane protagonist? Yeah. Um, who lobotomizes people in a hotel room and eats their brains? Yeah. Okay. In order to help them. In order to help them. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's yeah. you know therapeutic brain cannibalism. But there's there's like reference to uh, metamorphosis, isn't there? Kafka, yeah. like a lot of reference to that in it, which is quite interesting, and it takes it to that like ex. I mean, the premise of man lobotomizes other people and eats their brains is kind of like lowbrow, and then it has this whole Kafka thing with the giant bugs and stuff and like insects that he sees through his. Well, and and it's acknowledged. Which elevates it. As well. it's, it's also got a really unhealthy obsession with his sister. Really bizarrely twisted. I mean. Genuinely, it's quite uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. But I think that's the point. I think, and the thing, yes. then again, if you think about metamorphosis and, Kaf- and the whole Kafka thing with the family and everything, yeah. it kind of, and the father element within a kid lobotomy, it kind of makes more sense. But it's still really messed up. Let's not pretend it makes any sense no, at all. No, um, <laughs> no the, the, the father figure in the kid lobotomy, though, it relates and to Kafka. And it's, I get really, that. it's really good. I mean, it's a black crown. Um, who are publishing this is an imprint of IDW, and it's <laughs> and it's doing it's doing for IDW what Vertigo did for DC, and it's Shelley Bond who's running it. Okay. Uh, and Kid Lobotomy is written by Peter Milligan. And it's drawn by oh, Tess okay, Fowler. And it's 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 like Shelley Bond is getting the old band back together. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm so so I loved, so I loved excited. I love Tess Fowler's art though. I've loved her art since she was on um, Help, Rap Queens. I really loved her, her work when she was on Rap yes. and now she's on Kid Lobotomy, and I, I like her work, so I'm I'm enjoying. It. That's why I bought it for the art, and then yeah. actually, it's just insane. 
so why not? It is. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> okay, um, Matt's just very meaningfully shown me his watch, which, which did that have a picture of Buzz Lightyear on it? You said, you said, yeah, you said, uh, you said. Uh, oh no, it's Woody now. You said I was the official timekeeper. So um, do we have long? Do we have time to go around and do our thing? I, I was just going to say very quickly, just going around, just a couple of things yeah. while we've got time yeah. I, I was going to do a whole thing about Thor Ragnarok but I don't need to because it's brilliant it's a great movie oh, 17 so movies in Marvel they just you know they're still knocking it out the park yeah. yeah I mean you, you actually I don't think I don't, I'm don't. i hard pressed to think I know look, with like Pixar they got a certain number of films under their belt before they started doing iterations like Cars 2 and stuff but Marvel have gone beyond that I mean and the fact that they can take these kind of C and D list characters and just turn them into these you know these amazing movies it's just mm. fantastic and, and and a lot of that i think is down to well two people i was i was very surprised that chris hemsworth wanted to really shake things up with thor mm. and he was a bit bored of playing the character that he was in the previous two thor films so he wanted to do something different and they certainly have he's got a chance to show his comic chops which he did in in the ghostbusters reboot recently which we, we won't talk about ever but the other one is is the director whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce from Flight of the Concords. Yes, perfectly said. There you go. I couldn't (laughs) say that. But, um, I mean, what a great choice. I mean, whoever's making the decisions to pick the directors for Marvel movies, it's just, you know, their batting average is is just way up there. So brilliant. So Thor, yep, absolutely fantastic. Um, I was just going to say just one last thing on the 80s again, a series that I've recently discovered, which I'm sure you've already watched already, Black Mirror. Has everyone watched yeah. Do you know, I haven't watched yeah. Black season three. San Junipero yes. is amazing. It's oh phenomenal. god, that's it's the episode beautiful. I watched. For, I never do this with any TV show. I watched episode something seven of season three first. That was the first episode I watched. Absolutely brilliant. I think it might be up for Emmys or something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Charlie Brooker's sort yeah. of anthology series, and oh my god! And again, a love letter to the eighties. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant, and. Um, it makes you sad, makes you sad, makes you happy, makes you cry. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Great, Stunning. great TV. And my final thing is nothing to do with comics or movies or anything. It's a book that came out last week uh, called Sneakers. It's on Amazon. I'm a big, big sneakerhead. The book is about sneakers and the history of sneakers and, and sorry, or trainers, as, as we say in the UK. But it is sneaker culture, shoes, oh, you see. Nike, yeah. and everything and in the States. Again. Ah, I'm liking yeah. this. This is great. Yeah, you, you very nearly um, you very nearly fell out when you said you didn't like the new Ghostbusters movie. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, we'll we'll talk about that another time. But um, it's yeah, uh, you know, I mean, almost everyone on the planet owns a pair of trainers or or, or sneakers, you know, and a lot of people like myself have have kind of multiple pairs. Of but yeah, but um, uh, it, it, the the book is is it's not about the shoes really it's about the stories and the people behind the shoes and it's absolutely fascinating because there's interviews with with um uh, shoe designers and and celebrities and 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 all all kinds of people from all different backgrounds talking about their stories and their experience with the kind of stuff they grew up wearing and what they wear now and, and 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 meanwhile their life where they've gone from where they were to where they are how people got into their industry it's all about the stories it's all about the people um but the book is is this will make sense while I'm talking about it. it. Also, it's it's so inspirational because if you've got a creative bone in your body, you read this book and you want to go out and create something and do something creative. Have you got or have you read Art and Soul? Is it like that? Yeah, it it is like that. Yeah, it is like that. So you just come away from it and you just want to 
yeah. makes you want to, you want to make something and and put it out there into the world. A lot of people don't. A lot of people want to make something and be creative, but they're too afraid to do it, whatever it is, and then put it out there for the world to look at and criticize mm-hmm. and, yeah. and 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 be aware of. But that's part of the creative process. You have to give birth to that thing and put it out there and, and then go on to the next thing. So um, it's a very inspirational book. It, it, it's uh, it's fascinating. I haven't even I haven't finished reading it yet, but Sneakers recommend nice. it. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That was my little roundup of will, other stuff. I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to do exactly the same as you and round up three things. Uh, because I realised TV series, I didn't mention it, and I don't know why, because literally Paul, the regular customer here, is waiting outside now so we can go off and finish off the season is Nathan For You which is one of the most genius comedies I've watched ever it's semi-real so Nathan is a guy who got really good grades on his business degree um, and he goes in and tries to fix businesses he is a character 100% Nathan Fielder but the people he talks to are not he goes into their business and like they'll be like, oh yeah, so we don't have maybe this demographic coming in to whatever business it is. And he will find the most convoluted, complicated, ridiculous way to try and fix that business. The last episode I watched was genius. There's a taxi firm that are struggling because of Uber. And so he, in a previous episode at the taxi firm, decided, right, we'll get a woman who's pregnant to give birth in one of your taxis so you get the news headline... To bump up business. Oh Uber then started giving away free little baby onesies to women who give birth in an Uber taxi. So he decides to try and infiltrate Uber to and he gets he basically sets up a secret meeting in a daycare centre, which realizes it's not even a real daycare centre. He's built the daycare centre just for this secret <laughs> meeting. He gets these taxi people together and says, I want you to get all your guys to start working for Uber so we have a sleeper cell in Uber. He then makes... Is this an episode of The Simpsons you're talking no, about? No, but it's fantastic. He then also needs burner phones so they can't trace him. No one can. There's no trace of these meetings. So he has to buy all these phones, but he doesn't want any trace of him. So he goes on Craigslist to find someone who will go into the latest like target... Buy all their phones, pay-as-you-go phones, and then he's been given instructions. He has to go to the harbour, and it's all secretly filmed. You go to the harbour where there will be this bag at the end of the harbour. You put all the phones in the bag, (laughs) tie it up, and then drop it at the other end of this harbour where Nathan is waiting in scuba gear underneath just to get the phones. (laughs) And then he makes this video with a mask on to send to Uber, basically saying... Uber, we are your nightmare. We will, and it's just, and it's insane. Just so he can warn Uber, please stop offering onesies to babies. <laughs> it is the most genius show ever. What's it on? Um, I have absolutely no idea. It's not available in the UK, <laughs> which is why I didn't recommend it officially. Ah, right, right. But if you can get hold of it, it is the most genius show ever. <laughs> the convoluted ways, and obviously these people aren't actors; they're real business owners, and just them kind of nodding, going. Okay, yeah, we'll give it a go. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, uh, a pet shop wanted to advertise and uh, get more business. And he says, well, the best place is people who've just lost pets. Advertise at a pet cemetery. Not allowed to advertise there. So he says, after meeting the owner of his pet cemetery, can I choose my own gravestone for my pets when they get buried here? He's like, yeah, absolutely fine, no problem. So Nathan gets a pet fly, waits for it to die in two days, (laughs) 
gets it buried there and brings this huge, <laughs> like it's lowered in by a crane gravestone, which says, here lies Buzz, whose favorite pet store was, and then the rest of it's just a big advert for the yes. pet store. It's yes. brilliant. Oh, um, because this podcast does not in any way condone piracy, um, I am just going to point out that there are, th- available there are three seasons of Nathan for yes. You available to buy and download from Amazon. Okay. Uh, we'll and Amazon probably day. also from more reputable companies than yes. Paytax. Yes, let's assume that. Um, my <laughs> other two quick points, two computer games I want to mention. Um, oh, yes, yes. Yes, right. Yes. So first one I'll get out of the way is Stardew Valley, um, which is an absolute love letter to Harvest Moon games. And co-op is coming out for it soon. Yes, I cannot Ooh. wait. My girlfriend's just got into it and I cannot wait to start I playing it. I am not into time. it and my wife cannot wait for me to get into it. <laughs> it so is amazing. It's it's a game which is created purely by one guy and it is he literally learnt the code just to make the game. Um and now that's the, I'm sorry, that is Yeah. That yeah. is A level nerd. Yeah, he is fantastic. He he fixes all the bugs personally, he is amazing. Yeah. And it is just a simple farming game, mm. but it's beautiful, it's addictive. The music's lovely. Oh my god, I bought the records of them, like actual vinyl records. It's wow. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, it is one of the most humble, kind of lovely games I've ever played. And it's you can just spend all day and it just it's a great way to relax at the end of the day. Yeah. I highly recommend it. There's nothing I can fault with it. It's one of the perfect relaxing games. The other thing I want to talk about is clearly the other, there is no yes. fault to it games, and that's Mario Odyssey. Yes. Probably the best Mario game I've ever played in my life. And one of the greatest video games of all time. Yes, completely. It is, it's close to perfection. It, it is. is. It really, really is. It is. I, you can complete the game the story mode, and that's not the end of the game. Ooh. It's you. There are, I think, like a thousand the moons that you have to find in all, across all these different levels and honestly the, when the, the way they've designed these levels is you have to explore every nook and cranny and they'll even leave like there are places that really you shouldn't get to but they're aware someone might find a way and you can try and just it's not breaking the game but there is like you can do combination moves to try and get to a place you should never go and there'll just be this mountain of gold coins for you oh, because yeah, yeah. It's just rewards you That's for nice. trying to be sneaky and get into <laughs> places you shouldn't. And it makes you try so you think, maybe I could try this, or, or there's something over there. Yeah. It looks like there might be something there. And of course there is. Yeah. And instinctively, it just feels like you just want to, you just want to, because Mario's got, a, in, in this game, he's got this uh, cap with eyes called Cappy, and he yeah. can throw it. And when he throws it, it interacts with things. It can also kind of take over, like you can, a di- it can be a dinosaur or a goomba or whatever it is. So you just think, well, I wonder what would happen if I threw my cap at that, and you try it, and then you've got this big smile on your face yeah. because it works and it opens up something. You're just like, oh, this is so good. It's just so well done. It's also one of the few games that can incorporate motion control interaction and make it good and not annoying. So like, you know, you you're can... not fighting with the motion control. Yeah, it just it feels. It, seamless it yeah that's why you can well. do those great moves to get to places you shouldn't because it's yeah. just the easiest way to do it because it's really just kind of three buttons yeah. really but yeah i aesthetically it's everything you want from a mario game i mean all the unlockable costumes are fantastic and yeah. fun and, and it's got lots of links back to the it's got so many callbacks to original yeah. 2d 8-bit mario games yeah. in as well oh my as god the new donk city bit where the music is playing that song yes. is made just for the game yeah and you are going around this kind of like spiral as a 2D Mario and it's And the just... music's building up and you're playing this old retro Mario game yeah. and it's just, 
it's just amazing. It's such a good game. And you're right, you, you can finish the story fairly quickly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, like, the real game starts. Yeah. And it starts to get, like, quite hard. The difficulty it, level picks yeah, up. Yeah. Like, have you gotten to, like, the moon? Yes. The rabbit moon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm at about the same level as you, about yeah. 450 moons I've collected. All of a sudden, it started to get quite hard. Yeah. And it's, and it's getting to the point where a lot of Mario games, like Mario Galaxy and Mario, Mario Sunshine, where I can see myself stopping soon because it, it's kind of getting stupidly hard. My son, who's almost seven, is further on than me now. Okay. And he had to help... I think you might need to start getting used to that old man. He had to help me, he had to help me do one of the levels because I couldn't do the race on the snow level. I couldn't do the race. The, the races are very difficult. Thing. And is my it... son's like, it's easy with this. I'm like, how'd you do that? Is it only available on Switch? It yes. is. Yes. That is, it's worth it though. Get Honestly. a Switch. It's, I... It's the con- I bought the console for the, for, game. For the game. So See, far... This is what happened with me. I bought, I bought the previous... The Wii U. Uh, yeah, I bought yeah. Wii U for yeah. um, um, Mario Kart 8. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, yeah. it just happens. Which is also you a end up keep buying yeah. more and more yeah, Nintendo course. consoles until your house is full of them. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I would say the Switch, though, <laughs> I have not regretted a single purchase on that console yet. It is probably uh, my favourite console of all time. Really? It's, it's very, very really, cool. Really I'm, I'm, my son's been able to, he's been playing a game at home on the TV, and then we've gone on a two hour car journey somewhere. You just take the screen out of the dock, yeah. slot the Joy-Con controls on, and he carries on playing in the car. It's a decent battery it, life. It really is, and the is. screen's amazing, and it's just, it's a great bit of kit. I mean, Nintendo always do that, whatever they come up with next. It's not it's not like the next Xbox or PlayStation that's kind of bigger, faster, more powerful. It's just, Nintendo are just like, we just do our own thing. Yeah. yeah. We just do our own Ninten- thing. Nintendo is always brilliant. cleverer. Yes. It's not yeah. necessarily bigger, it's not necessarily more no, no, no. powerful. No. Doesn't They're necessarily the Pixar have video games, they just, they just do their own yeah. thing the way, nice way they do it. That's such a nice way of describing them, though. That's completely right, isn't it? Yeah, They're they just really in a different, different world. It's like yeah. the, Zelda, the Zelda game. I love the story, yeah, yeah. but I got more excited for going to the dungeons and doing the puzzles. Yeah. Like They're very clever with puzzles. But the fact that you could, you could go off and just... Yeah, you know, they give you the option do to as do well. how you want to play the game completely. Yeah, it's very cool. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to play on the Switch after... I might try arms. I've heard that's good. I'm skeptical of arms. It's a it's a fighting game where um, the characters uh, you punch using the Joy-Con controllers, and uh, their arms stretch, Mister Fantastic style, like spring arms that go like for miles, and they've all got different powers and abilities. That sounds like fun. Yeah, but again, it's something different. It's something that no one else, you know, just Nintendo just. Isn't there a a new Metroid coming out for it? Did I? I think there is. There is a new Metroid coming out. Yeah, I mean, you can expect to see all of those as well. Doom is one I never expected Nintendo to touch. Yeah, yeah. But I'd be intrigued by that. Yeah. But yeah, wait and see. It's my yeah. first next-gen console anyway. I haven't gotten around to buying an Xbox One or a PS4 right. yet. But it's, it's my first next-gen console, and it's just brilliant. It's just a great one of the best things you could put. I've n- Worth it. I do not regret because it. it was my choice was VR or the Switch, and I really am so happy with my choice. Yeah. I love that console so much. I take it to bed every night. I I really am wanting to buy one more and more as the minutes go by. It's cool. It's crazy. I was going to talk about a game as well. Oh, we need to have a gaming podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That can be the one I don't come to. Oh, okay. (laughs) Save us the keys. Um, No, because uh, Life is Strange. Have you played Life is Strange? I've played... um, I've started it. I have not finished it at all. So Life is Strange, and I won't spoil it because it's just really harsh if you do. Um, Life is Strange, you basically... I, I don't play games like this. I play mm. like open world Skyrim, Fallout, all those big games yeah. where you 
build things for years and years and put 300, 400 hours into everything. I never do anything else. That's just what I like playing. Or I play Mario. Yeah. Like, that's it. Or I play Mario Kart. It's like Nintendo or everything. Nothing <laughs> in between. There is no in between for me. It's just that. Um, and and so this was really odd. And, like, I, it happens to be on our, our Xbox One. And I was like, ah, ah, ah. And uh, I watched, uh, watched my wife play it. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then after, like... 10 minutes in I was like I have to play this for myself I have to play mm. this myself and then she kind of got bored of it and never finished it and then last last summer I guess not last summer no it must have been last Easter I sat down and I went I'm going to play this today and I played all of it because it's episodic so I was going to say it is yeah. episodic it's an episode so you can play the episode and you can put it down and not look at it ever again if you don't want to um, and you can just buy it bit by bit so if it's not for you it's not for you but I basically mainlined it in a day and it just the phrase it that escalated quickly uh, has never been more appropriate because you get to these moments and I'm not going to tell you because it's just the spoilers just absolutely ruin it and you just sit there going how did this happen consequences is the watchword like every action you have has consequences yeah. and the whole point is you're this girl who suddenly kind of realizes she can turn back time and she can change what happens so she saves uh, basically she saves her best friend her former best friend uh from being shot in a school bathroom, in a high school bathroom. And uh, it's kind of what happens from there. Mm. And so it's like what she does then in her life as she's reunited with her best friend from childhood and then how she goes like through her life like, um, and what decisions she makes affect the entire game for every episode thereafter. Wow. Like, so, so the choices that you make yeah, as Yeah, the choices as you player, make as the character. So basically you get to the end of a section and it goes, do you want to do it like this or do you want to rewind it and try it all again? Because once yeah. you leave this area... It's done. The decision's made. So, like, I love it. I think it's phenomenal. And, like, I have never been so horrified and emotionally connected to a game in my life. And I'm, I am I have put 350 hours into Dragon Age Inquisition. Wow. I'm not joking when I say I put time into games. This, it doesn't take time. But it just is, like, the connection. I, I couldn't... You are that person for the yeah. time you're playing it. Because your decisions have consequences that you cannot change and, and they do you are want to? Do, you, do you make some decisions then go you, you oh, really do, wish you could start yeah, again and yeah i'm it. gonna replay it because i want to stop and basically what one of the things which is this isn't a huge spoiler i think pretty much you know one of the things that you you can you have to stop someone trying to kill themselves in the episode in the first episode and if you fail to do that that's it She's gone. You can stop her from killing herself, but it's not just that decision right there and then. It's every decision you have made yeah, yeah. up that to that point yeah. means that, that whether or not you'll actually be able to stop her at the moment it happens. So you kind of... It, it just... It's mind-blowing. It's a phenomenal game all the way Amazing. through. Like every decision you make, you're just like, oh my God, what have I done now? And you're almost horrified by yourself. So the original is out on many, many consoles and also uh, PC, Mac, all those kind of things. And you can get it on Steam and you can buy it for various places. And it's not very expensive, which is great. And also they've just released Before the Storm, which is uh, the prequel, which is all about Chloe, who is the best friend with mm. the blue hair. Um, and it's like how she got to be where she is when um, Max came back from living in... I want to say Seattle, but I'm probably wrong because my American geography is dreadful. Um, so it's a city. It's a city. <laughs> so, yeah, she comes back. So it's all set in this little coastal town. Lots of things that are good are. Little coastal town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's like, you know, she comes back and meets her best friend again. And then, like, it's like the rekindling of that relationship. And then, obviously, the prequel is about how she just... 
her life sort of crumbles almost after Max leaves and why she is so pissed off with her when she first comes back. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. And obviously in the other game, Before the Storm, she doesn't have that power. So she has the power of being an asshole basically <laughs> it's it's oh, kind that of, power it's great it's like it's it's essentially a smack talk power so like can she use her words to win an argument to win a fight so like can she get past a bouncer by basically like slamming him with words so that's quite an interesting one and you can choose whether or not to do it and again it's that consequences thing so all of this is about like you have these actions you make these consequences this happens do you want this to be the end of this section move on and you're like oh christ what's gonna happen and it changes the story hugely and i think that's yeah that that part of it is what really pulls me to it and it is really playing before the storm is horrifying to me because that girl is me at that age and i hate it i'm like sitting there going (laughs) oh my god this is physically painful to play and it's amazing uh, in so many ways it's just like wow you're awful and yeah no i remember that that's not pretty um and it's yeah it's fantastic yeah i got it free on the playstation network <gasps> yeah because it was really? just there and i was like thing. wow yeah. i'll just get that because i'd heard yeah. a lot about it and i played it's the first so episode good. and i realized i hadn't allotted a time to play the rest of this i need to do it all in one go because yeah. yeah, you realize very heavily that okay this is gonna matter yeah yeah. Everything matters. I was Everything. Very impressed I'm by wearing that. my Firewalk T-shirt from Insane <laughs> yeah. Point, uh, which is from the uh, prequel. Yeah, the first thing you do is you have to get into a Firewalk Firewalk concert, and I was like, yes. And as soon as they brought the T-shirt, I was like, having it. <laughs> <laughs> I was Max at that age. So yeah, uh, not Max. I was Chloe at that age. So yeah, it's. Uh, You've almost fun. sold me on the computer. Wow. It's phenomenal, wow. and because it's like playing a story as well, it's yeah. like mm. it's like choose your own adventure almost. Yeah. Um, it's not like playing a video game. I well, think that's what appeals to me about yeah, it, actually. It's, it's uh, nothing. That's what I didn't think I'd like it because I was like, this is not like a video game. This is on rails almost. You are stuck within these environments. Yeah. You have very little control. And if you make a decision wrong, you can't go back and fix it. You can't. You just can't. And that is, it's really, yeah. it's what makes it so compelling, though. Yeah. I like yeah, it. I love it. I like the sound wow. of it. Yeah. yeah. See? Get it. Yeah. Great. No, I'm, I, I might. I actually might. Um, I'm not, however, one of you cool kids. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> All right, my, granddad. <laughs> my, thing, my thing is not a game. Um, it's a podcast. Because cool. I'm all about podcasts. Mm-hmm. I, I, My wife gets furious with me because i've got these if these aren't on my ears these headphones they're around my neck like they are now uh i, I just listen to podcasts all day yeah um and i've got no idea how i found this one at all um i i must have heard about it on another podcast because <laughs> podcastception that's how that goes um and I'm going to warn you right now that it won't be for everybody. Um, but it's a podcast called Dumb White Guy. Um, hosted by uh, a comedian called Brendan Burns, uh, who is an Australian comic, although he lives in the UK. He's lived here a long time. Um, and Brendan is quite a loud, quite in-your-face kind of character. Um, he's terrifyingly honest. Um, he swears a lot. If you have an issue with bad language, do not listen to this podcast. Uh, he uses the F word and the C word essentially as punctuation. Um, and what it is, basically, is he is Australian and he's clever. 
those two things often go together, um, although not always. I know some Australians. Um, and he's got a really uncomfortable... He, he, he found himself being really uncomfortable talking about race because he's a white Australian guy and he's read a history book. So he knows what Australia is... Australia is basically built on the bones of a culture that was utterly destroyed. Mm. And he's you know, kind of uncomfortable about that. But he also hates political correctness or what he sees as political correctness um, because he thinks it actually stops people from talking about things that matter. And rather than people actually engaging and fixing the problems, he feels that political correctness leads people to say things like, you can't say that, that's racist, rather than, that's a stupid thing to say, what the hell do you mean by that? And actually taking on some attitude. So he came up with this idea. He is, I mean, I've, I've talked when we've been talking off mic, um, usually at great length um, in the shop. Uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm like him. I'm a, I'm a white, straight, cis, middle-aged, middle-class <laughs> bloke. I sit at the apex of privilege. It's great. I like it here. It's fantastic, actually. Uh, it's better sitting here than it is almost everywhere else. And he recognises that. And he realised that... And he started off like wanting to address this the issues of racism. He thought, well, no, I can't. I, I can't. Because if I talk about this with my friends, that's just some white, middle-aged guys talking about racism and sexism again. And we're not going to solve this shit. So he set out to do a podcast where he talks to people who aren't like him. He finds usually other comedians um, on the grounds that that at least has something funny to say. But he will talk to people of different ethnicities, different sexualities, uh, different genders, different identities. And he will ask the dumb white guy questions. You know, he will say, well, I don't get that. Explain it to me. I don't understand. And it's not in a... Yeah, his, his biggest... His biggest hate, if you like, is people... Because he says, you know, the, the Australian attitude, if you talk about race in Australia, what people will basically say, well, how's that racist, Blake, mate? How's that racist? And, and he actually sits down and says, yeah, this is why. This is why that's racist. This is why this is a problem. And it's not preachy. It's really, really funny. He is really, really funny. And sometimes it's interviews. Uh, he's just done a series, a, a sort of sequence where... He was on tour in Scandinavia and um, the, Bal the Baltic states. And he, he, ba he basically just recorded the conversations he had in the green room with other comics about these issues, about what, what are attitudes to race in Latvia, for instance. He, he, he has a, a, a comedy partner now for one of his acts, the act he takes to Edinburgh, uh, called Craig... can't remember Craig's last name. Sorry, Craig. Uh, who is an Aboriginal guy, although never ever referred to as an Aboriginal comedian because it's like no I'm a comedian kind of thing uh, and they do, they, they do a show called Race Off uh, which is about race in Australia um, it didn't go down well at the Perth Comedy Festival <laughs> and so you know, they've done some interviews with that sometimes his son comes on uh, Brendan's got like like many performers Brendan's got a, a fairly checkered past um, of you know drug use and what he refers to as general arsehole-ery. Um, you know his first marriage failed his son lived in the UK for a bit and then went back to Australia sometimes his son comes on his wife his current wife uh, who is a writer 
uh, sometimes comes on and you get to know this cast of people and you get to care about their lives and it's all very real. Um, the most recent episode I've listened to, I'm a little bit behind with my podcast because I went away for a week to a place with no internet connection so I couldn't <laughs> download any and I haven't caught up yet. But the most recent one I've listened to was about his cat. Brendan hates cats. Okay, now this cat, Skedaddle, has come up in the general conversation on the podcast quite a lot. And recently Skedaddle died. Not well. Brendan was sort of saying, you know, he'd been gone for a fortnight. He's been he's gone been gone before. He was quite a wild cat. But the vet rang him up and said, found it. And, and yeah, Brendan was like, oh, great, mate. I'll, I'll, come and, I'll come and get him. And the vet was like, no, I'm really sorry, but he's gone. And it really is best if you don't see him. This guy, who is such an, a, a you know, loud, aggressive, ocker, fair dinkum, mate, kind of bloke, was just talking about this cat. And he doesn't like cats. He doesn't like it. And, and he was so clearly just ripped apart by it to the point that I was standing in the shop. Um, thank Christ, it's been a really quiet couple of weeks. I was standing behind the counter in the in the shop and I suddenly realised I was staring at the space with tears rolling down my face <laughs> because it was just so powerful. I love Dumb White Guy. It's bloody brilliant. Um, and just sometime, he did a whole thing like where he, he, he wrote a book, which he's turning into a, split, a screenplay at the moment, about a real experience he had back in his drug-taking days uh, where he went to Las Vegas and the idea was him and his mate were going to drive across the desert and take mushrooms and watch the sunrise. Which they did, but they also did a whole lot of other crazy stuff. It, it's called Fear of Hat Loss in Las Vegas. Uh, and just just because he dug this manuscript out and was turning it into a screenplay, he just did an audiobook of it and podcast it. And again, and it was brilliant. So I can't recommend it highly enough. Dumb White Guy with Brendon Burns. B-R-N-D-O-N. Uh, B-R-E-N-D-O-N. I'm dyslexic, leave me alone. Um, so am I. <laughs> Yeah, I know, and I'm an English teacher, I know. <laughs> but it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's, it makes, it forces you to think about the way you think. It forces you to think about the attitudes that you have. And you're not always going to agree with what the people on the podcast say. And that's fine. They don't care whether you agree with them or not. They're not trying to convince you of anything. They're trying to, to figure stuff out. And sometimes, I mean... When he was in Latvia, he was talking to people who we would consider racist, horribly, horribly racist. And the reason they were racist is because they'd never met anyone who wasn't white, because they live in Latvia and they don't know. You know, Craig, um, the, the Aboriginal guy, he was the first black guy most of them had seen. And they were genuinely, like, astonished by him. And, you know, and, it's, it's in, and he, he would sit down with these people and unpack the things that they had asked and the things that they had said. And... You know, he doesn't see anyone as a bad guy. They're, everyone's just a person. Some people have got really stupid ideas. Where do they come from then? And it, it's it's just a fascinating thing. Uh, and it has the virtue of being frequently hilarious. Uh, and I, I love it to bits. So that's my that's my thing. And every time we do these, it's probably going to be a podcast that I'm recommending. I listen to it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's me. Um, mm. I, I think given that it's now 10 to 11... I'm, <laughs> think we should probably in, in the morning we should we've been here for 12 hours we should probably <laughs> knock it on the head so yeah anyway i, I, I really will knock it on the head because you've all got homes to go to and so do i although my wife will have been asleep for some time now. <laughs> um 
I think you just live in a comic shop, Rich. You've got that little bunk bed behind the <laughs> yeah. counter. And just little See, this is it. You know, you don't know what happens when the shops are closed. I've yeah. never seen Reg anywhere else apart from here. And he says he lives in Harrogate, but I don't know. <laughs> And that, dear listeners, is where we need to leave it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you will take some time to check out some of the things we've recommended. Um, And we will see you soon, the next time we meet at the gates. Thank you for listening to Eat at the Gates. Gates is a production of Venus Rising Media, featuring music by Stephen G. Saunders. We're proudly made in Yorkshire, and we'll see you soon. You weren't keeping somebody waiting. No. In, in serious. Funny because I don't do a lot, except when I do podcasts, apparently <laughs> that's when I've got, like, yeah, plans. <laughs>